A few years ago, I was talking with a man who I think was probably in his 60s, and uh, he shared with me how years ago, when he was a young man, kind of starting out his life, that God had spoken to him about some things uh, that he wanted him to do with his life. But at that point, he didn't listen, and he chose his own way, and he went his own direction. And he shared with me how that because of that decision, life had taken him in some very different directions than God had originally intended for his life. You know, over the years, I've spoken with many people with similar stories. There was a point when God was in their life, when God was speaking to them, and they knew it. They knew that God was talking to them. They knew that God was trying to give them a specific direction. But for whatever reason, they chose to ignore it. They chose to rebel against it. Basically, they chose to run from it. And many of us in this room tonight know exactly what that's all about, don't we? Because that's our story too. There's been a time in our life when we could be described as running from God. In fact, it is very possible that in this room tonight, you say, Pastor Robbie, I'm in church. Is it possible to be sitting in a worship service tonight and singing songs to the Lord and listening to a Bible message and still be running in the other direction away from God? Absolutely it is. So tonight we're beginning a new series with that title, Running From God. And what we're going to talk about is that there are times that God speaks to us and how many times we don't respond to what He says to us. So we want to start out tonight by talking about this. Has God ever spoken to you? And the first thing we want to look at is in verses 1 and 2 of Jonah chapter 1. Let's talk about, first of all, receiving a call from God. Now, for some of us, before I get into that, just using that kind of language is kind of strange, isn't it? What do you mean receiving a call from God? I mean, when I hear that kind of language, it sounds like my phone rang, my cell phone rang, and my caller ID, or or when I saw the image there on the screen that it said God, okay, that I'm receiving a call from God, that'd be kind of a weird feeling, wouldn't it? All right? So for some of us, it sounds a little bit like we're making God sound small, a big God sound small. Uh, when it's a big God and a little me, and we're, we're just sort of bringing him down to our level. But here's what I want to say to you, if, if that's the way you feel tonight. It is true that we need to be careful not to minimize God. Amen and amen. Amen? God is a big God. He is more amazing than we even know tonight. He is grander. He is bigger. He is more holy than any of us know tonight. But him speaking to us does not make him any smaller. It just makes it all that more amazing that he does it in the first place. And I would also say this. We do need to know that God is much more personal than many of us have ever imagined. And God does speak to people. And, and, you know, I've had people before I was visiting with a family once. And this guy said, Pastor Rob, you kind of freak me out with that, that God speaks to us kind of stuff. That God speaks to you. You know, I I don't know what you're talking about. Okay? But we're going to talk about some of that tonight. And I'm not talking about audibly. I'm not talking about generally. I've never been spoken to audibly by God. We're going to talk about how does God speak to us. But the fact of the matter is that God does speak to us. And we'll see more about how in just a moment. So having said that, we start reading in Jonah chapter 1. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. 
Now, pretty quickly, we're st- we, we recognize that we're starting a story. I share with you many times as we're sharing God's Word that many times when we're not necessarily doing a study of a book of the Bible like we're doing in Jonah, many times we're sort of plopping down in the middle of a place and we're sort of just, we sort of have to get a little bit of the context. Well, as we walk through the book of Jonah, we need to kind of understand what is, what's going on here. And pretty quickly, we find out some of the background information about the story that we're reading. First of all, this book is a story, very obviously, about a man named what, young people? It's about a guy named Jonah. And we're told here that it's it's about a guy named Jonah, and he was the son of a guy named Amittai. Now, that may not seem real important to you at first. It's like, why did God put that in? You know, why did they waste the the, the ink to put that in there? But actually, that being in there helps us to confirm that he is very likely the same prophet that's spoken about right down 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25. In 2 Kings 14, verse 25, another, or it's another reference is given of this man named Jonah, the son of Amittai. And that passage of Scripture gives us more information about who he is. Now, from that passage, we find out that Jonah was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. Okay? Now, if you know your history of Israel, you know that they started out as one nation, and then they broke apart into kind of two different groups. There was the northern kingdom, and then there was the southern kingdom. They call it the divided kingdom. Well, Jonah was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel during the 700s B.C. And during that time, it tells us in that passage in 2 Kings that God did a lot of good things for Israel that they didn't deserve. Does that sound like your life? It says that Israel didn't deserve God's goodness, but God did a lot of good things for them. That's what we find out in 2 Kings uh, chapter, uh, chapter 14. But we find out from the book of Jonah that not only was God's message through Jonah that God did a lot of things for Israel that they didn't deserve, but we find out through the book of Jonah that it wasn't just Israel, but God actually offered to the whole world to do a lot of good things for us. And if you're not a Jewish person, which many of us in this room are not, of Jewish lineage, if you're not a Jewish person, you should say, praise the Lord. (laughs) Okay, that God said that through the book of Jonah, that he actually offered that same offer to the rest of the world. In fact, even, we're going to find out, to some very bad people. It says that Jonah was called by God to go to some people called the Ninevites. Who are the Ninevites? Nineveh was located in what we call today, present-day Iraq. And it was the capital of the great Assyrian Empire. Now, this is what I learned about Assyria when I was in Bible college. The Assyrians were ruthless people. Okay? When they captured you, what they told us in Bible college was, what they, what they did when they captured their enemies, they would take their bodies and rake them over with metal to destroy them. The Assyrians were very well known in ancient times for their cruelty, and for their violence. So it's no wonder, when we get that backdrop, that here in verse 2, God says, I want you to go to Nineveh, that great city, and I want you to talk to them because they've got some what? Some wickedness. Some great wickedness or evil. Now you also need to know, before we dig into this book, that this story, this book of Jonah, has been very well known and important throughout history. If you look at its place in the Old Testament, it's the fifth of what they call, there's like 12 books that are called uh, the Minor Prophets, okay? There's like um, 
five major prophets and there's uh, 12 minor prophets. You see them there up there on the screen here on the right. And there's Jonah. He was the fifth of the minor prophets. So as you look at that, and, and, and it's important now, I don't want to just kind of get us bogged down in details there, but I just want to let you know there's more study to your Bible than many of us have experienced. Okay? And the, the Old Testament kind of breaks down into some groupings that as you begin to look at, you begin to understand those groupings, it makes a little more sense as you read some of those passages. But what strikes me about Jonah is when you find it there in those designations that it just sort of seems to kind of fit in with the rest of those minor prophets. The reason, by the way, they're called minor prophets is only because they're shorter than the major prophets, okay? There's five long books and there's 12 short books and they call the 12 short books the minor prophets. But actually, Jonah is probably the best known of them all. Isn't it? Isn't Jonah found in many children's books and nurseries all across the world? Did you know that Jonah actually is debated and even ridiculed in college classrooms? In fact, probably some of our students here in this room, right here in our very own area, would tell you tonight, if we got testimonies, that here in our very own area, they've been in classes where Jonah was ridiculed in the Bible, God's Word. But also... We find that it's important by this, that the Jewish people actually read the book of Jonah on their, fa- on their very most important day of the year. Anybody ever heard of Yom Kippur? Okay, it's called the Day of Atonement. The book of Jonah is actually read on that day. So we might say, why is it so important? Why is it in so many kids' books? Why is it debated in college classrooms? Why is the Jewish people think it's so important? Well, to the Jewish people, it taught some pretty important lessons. Now listen to this. You might want to write these down because these are some themes that are in Jonah. To the Jewish people, it teaches that it's impossible to run away from God. Isn't that a good lesson to learn? If you're out there here tonight, before we even start this series, let me just give you a little heads up. We're talking about running from God. You can't do it. That's one of the reasons it was so important to the Jewish people. It also teaches, praise the Lord, that God is willing to extend mercy to everyone. Even really bad people, like me and you. It also teaches that God is ready and willing to accept people when they truly turn to Him. It's called repentance. Isn't that good? No matter who that person is, listen, this is good, friends. This is good news tonight, friends. No matter who you are or what you've done, Jonah teaches us, if you're willing to turn to God, God is willing to accept you and forgive you. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that, people... That's hallelujah shouting ground. Let's jump off the platform, do my I love my Toyota thing, right? <laughs> so that's why it was so important to the Jewish people. You know, what was so, you know why it's so important to the rest of the world? Seems kind of silly when we talk about the other things. But you know why it's so important to the kids and to the intellectuals? Because it's a story about a fish that swallowed a man. That's why it's so important to the rest of us. By the way, it's interesting that the fish gets so much press in the story of Jonah because there's only three verses that bring up the fish. Isn't that interesting? I mean, there's a whole chapter where Jonah's in his tummy, but only three verses really reference specifically the fish. Isn't it interesting how we major on things that God, God's not, that's not the point. Many people have tried to discredit the book of Jonah because of that fish deal. 
Let me share a couple things with you. First of all, the book itself presents itself as historical. Friends, listen. This is, this is good for us to understand because you, your faith is going to get attacked at school and in the workplace. And many times people are going to say to you, oh, the Bible's just a bunch of made-up stories. Well, if I was going to make up stories, I wouldn't put real people's names and real places and write it during the time where people could refute it. Amen? I mean, it presents itself as a historical book and could have been refuted during the time that it was written. Number two, it gives no evidence of intending to be allegorical. Many people say, oh, it's just an allegory. Oh it's just, oh, it's just a picture of how we go to the depths and how God rescues us. And so is the resurrection. The resurrection is just a picture. Oh, just like when the, the flowers bloom in the, in, in the, in, at Easter time, the resurrection is just a picture. He didn't really rise from the grave. And you hear the enemy behind there going, <laughs> Because if he's not risen, we're in trouble. It's not an allegory. It's not just a made-up story. This, this is for real. In fact, the third thing is the ancient tradition saw this. I mean, the church throughout history has seen the book of Jonah as, as historical. And fourthly, more importantly than that, Jesus himself in Matthew 12, verse 40, said that he believed in, the, in Jonah. That it was a real story. Now, let me just ask you this. If God could create the heavens and the earth in six days, what's the big deal about getting a guy in the belly of a fish? I mean, I'm not really seeing that as stretching God. Amen? In fact, I mean, they, they, say, that they're, they say that they're legends, that they're urban legends, but there have been stories throughout history by sailors of this truly happening. Why would I need a drunken sailor to tell me something could happen when the Word of God says it happened? Amen? All right, but really, here's what it boils down to. Okay, we're just trying to get our arms around. What are we looking at here? What are we talking about? Really, it boils down to this. It's a story about a great God who loves us, and he loves the whole world, and he calls us to join him in his work to touch lives, but many times we're not so thrilled with what he's asking us to do. And we decide to run. In that situation, to that kind of man, the Bible says in verse 1, what? The word of the Lord came. I want to just ask you tonight, has there ever been a time in your life when God spoke to you? Now, again, I'm not talking about an audible voice or anything like that. God could, couldn't he? We tend to minimize that. He could if he wanted to, but I'm not looking for an audible voice because he's given me plenty of other information. I shouldn't be looking for miraculous kinds of things. But that's not what we'd expect him to use. You say, well, Pastor Robbie, how would we expect God to speak to us? I want you to write these things down because they're very important. You say tonight, Pastor Robbie, how do you know God's speaking to you? How do you know that God's leading your life? How, how can you be sure of that? The first thing is his word. That's the most sure, um, what am I trying to say, source of information. If we're trying to understand how God's speaking to us, you read it, it's there. I can't do anything with it. It's in black and white, amen? I mean, I may not like it. I may try to work my way around it, like we've just talked about. But really, if we're honest, we read it, it's there, it's in black and white. That's the Word of God. Okay, that's, the, that's the best way to know that God is speaking to us. He's revealed Himself to us through his written word. Praise his name, amen? 
I often wonder, you know, why, we, why we, we, we don't read the Bible because if God had not written a book, we'd be mad at him for not writing us a book, right? We'd say, God, why don't you just write it down? Why don't you just tell us what you wanted, right? Well, he wrote us a book. So that's the best way. The second way is through his spirit, through prayer. We come to understand God speaking to us as we walk with him. And listen, the best thing I can say is, the more that you spend time with someone, the more you recognize their voice, the more you get to know them and how they act and what's, what's really them and what's not them. And the more that we walk with the Lord and the more that we stay in His Word, the more that we're able to discern, is that God speaking to me or is that me or is that the enemy? And I just want to encourage you tonight, as you walk with the Lord, does anybody in this room have that down perfectly? No. But as you walk with the Lord, you can get more and more confident as you hear those voices in your mind. You can get more confident, this is God, and this is not. It does get better. Okay, the third thing is His people. His body, the church. Aren't you grateful for the people sitting around you? Aren't you grateful? I mean, aren't you glad for people in your life that you spend time with in a small group together or you do ministry together or you go out for coffee together? Now listen, I'm not taking any one person in this room as the audible voice of God that when that person speaks, I'm just like, oh yeah, absolutely, that's God speaking to me. But you know what? God does speak to me through you guys. And as I read his word, as I spend time with him, I begin to hear his voice coming through little things that he says to me. Through some, Somebody says, hey, Pastor O, you're good at this. Or, or, hey, what do you think about this? Or, or, hey, this or that. And I begin to pick up over time, you know what, I think God may be speaking to me. I mean, think about Christian radio. Aren't you glad for Christian radio? Aren't you glad for people like Chris Tomlin who are singing songs, who are listening to God, and then God uses those people to speak to me while I'm riding down I-87 the North Way in upstate New York? And Chris Tomlin doesn't even know who I am. But the body of Christ. The last thing is His work in this world. Circumstances. God speaks to us through circumstances. Now sometimes I'll just kind of in a kidding way call that history, His story, Okay. But it's basically circumstances, his work in this world. Sometimes God does use circumstances to kind of begin to give us the impression that, hey, this seems to be kind of leaning towards this. Or lean. Now, we've got to be very careful about circumstances. Those should not be the primary source of you seeking God. But he does use those things. Now, I don't know which one God used in your life, but there was a time in your life when somehow you knew you had a sense that God was speaking to you and calling you to do something. Maybe you were reading his word. Maybe you were listening to a sermon. Maybe somebody said something to you. Maybe you were at youth camp. Maybe you were at vacation Bible school as a child. Maybe you were about to make a critical decision in your life and you just got a sense in your heart that, you know what, this is not what God wants me to do. But however it was, maybe it was just like uh, uh, Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 12. Sometimes it's just that still, small voice, isn't it? That God just says to you, Robbie, this is not what I have for you. Like Jonah, has there ever been a time when God spoke to you? But that leads us to the next thing. Because if there has been a time that God spoke to you, the next thing we need to think about is in verse 3. How did you respond to it? We need to think about responding to that call when God gives it to us. It's absolutely incredible that a big God would speak to us. Would you be still for just a minute and think about that? Have you ever had anybody in your life that you were interested in, but they wouldn't give you the time of day? 
Like, like you just weren't in their realm. Okay, they were just like too good for you. Now, probably they weren't, just to be honest with you. But, but maybe just somebody that, that you just, I don't know, somebody that you liked, you know, wanted to be your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, that kind of thing. And you just thought, you know, this person or, or somebody you looked up to. Of all people in the universe, God is in that category. But listen to what the Bible says about him. Write down Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. It says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. Let's just, let's, just, uh, let's, just, uh, let's just stop for just a moment. Let's go out the side door here and let's just go up and look at the stars. When you begin to study the universe, it is really astounding, isn't it? Wow. Wow, this place is big. When I begin to think of all that, what is man that you take thought of him? And the son of man, that's just another way of saying people. And the son of man that you care for. Wouldn't we all say that? As, I mean, God's got a lot of universe to be taken care of. Why does he care in the least about me? But you know what? What might be even more incredible than that? Yes, God speaks to us. But what about the response from us? What might be more incredible is that it's not always, yes, Lord. Which would be the only right response to a God like that, wouldn't it? I mean, us not responding to the Lord is almost like standing in front of Niagara and saying, I would rather you not flow. How much is that going to stop that big water from coming over? That, that's that's, that's kind of how silly it would be for us to think that we could come to God and He could say something. First of all, we should be amazed He said anything to us. That just shows us how amazingly He loves us, friend, tonight. Listen, by me saying that, by me saying that, why does God speak to us? By the Bible saying that, it's not saying that we're just some uh, worthless beings. Okay, that's not what it's saying. It's just saying that really in, this, in the scheme of all things in, the, in eternity and in all the universe, it is pretty amazing that he pays attention to little old us. Wouldn't you agree? But the fact that he does tells us how much he loves us. But what I'm talking about right now is it's incredible that when he does that we would say anything except whatever you want, God. You know, it's especially true of Jonah. Imagine a prophet of God who won't listen to God. Isn't that kind of, what do they call it, oxymoron? Or kind of just contradicting? A prophet of God is supposed to be listening to and doing what God wants them to do. In fact, one author says this, If we were not so familiar with this story, we would be shocked, and indeed rightly so, to discover a prophet refusing to listen to God. Wouldn't we? In fact, I want to encourage you as we read the book of Jonah, by the way, I want to encourage you as we go through this series to read it. I mean, go ahead and read ahead before next week. Read the whole book. Read through it. But you're going to find that actually this story is written in a way that they're actually, it, it's, it's kind of written in a way that I think the Lord wants us to sort of get a gasp. It's like, wow, that's surprising. Some of the things that happen in this story are incredible. It's incredible that a prophet, but you know what? It, it's no more incredible than us followers, Right? 
If we're followers of Jesus, I remind myself this very often, and I try to say it to you very often. If I'm, follow, if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, then that means I'm following Jesus Christ, right? See, I think we like the term Christian because that's sort of vague. I'm a Christian. Well, that means you can just kind of live life and not really pay attention to it. I think we've sort of talked ourselves into that. But when I say I'm a follower of Jesus, that's kind of like saying I'm a prophet of God. Prophets of God listen to Jesus, so followers of Jesus do what? They follow. So, so let's just get the image. He's out there, and he's saying, come here. And we say, yes, Lord. Has God ever spoken to you like Jonah, and you said, uh, well... Gotta go, Lord. Look at what Jonah does. Look at what Jonah does in verse 3. It says, But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down in into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, I want you to notice the contrast. After God says, I want you to go, I've got an assignment for you, Jonah, you're a prophet. Here's what, I want you, here's what I want you to speak for me. The Bible says, after God says, go speak to these people for me, the Bible says that the, this, these words. God said, go do it, but Jonah. Don't you just love the word but? I mean, I'm kidding. It, it really gets on my nerves. Parents, when you're talking to your kids and you tell them they need to do something and they say, okay, Dad, but isn't that a blessing? <clears throat> or how about this? When somebody gives you a compliment, they say, you are so good at whatever, but... Or you go to the doctor, and he says, everything looks fine, but, how about your tax person? You know what, looks like you had a good year, but, the Bible says, the Lord spoke to Jonah, but Jonah, the Bible says, he stood up, he rose up to do something. Now again, if we're reading about a prophet... If we saw him jumping up, God said go, and he jumps up, what are we thinking? Man, this guy's going where? He's jumping up, he's going to Nineveh. It says Jonah jumped up quickly, he ran away, God said do this, Jonah did this, that sound familiar? Is that your response to God many times? And where did he run? It says he went to Tarshish. Actually, it tells us he went, to, he went to Joppa first on the way to Tarsus. Now, what does that mean? Okay, what it means is that instead of traveling the 500 miles northeast from Palestine to Nineveh, which, by the way, admittedly, wouldn't that be, I mean, 500 miles back then, 500 miles a day is a decent little place from where you're from, right? Okay, instead of going the 500 miles, I don't know if you can see it here, but from the Palestine area over to Nineveh, Again, admittedly, a long distance, and admittedly, not so pleasant. We're going to talk more about that as we go through this series. They weren't exactly friends of each other. But instead of that, he took off for the, ne the nearest seaport in the other direction. Instead of going northeast, he went west, 
Okay? So I went to Joppa, and it's not even on this map where we think he was going. We don't know for sure. The Bible teachers believe he was probably headed for Spain. 2,000 miles away. So God says, Jonah, I got a difficult assignment for you. I want you to go 500 miles away. And Jonah says, see ya, and goes headed for 2,000 miles in the other direction. Okay, let's just uh, do the read between the lines translation. What Jonah's basically saying is, God, I really don't want to do what you're asking me to do. Did you pick up on that? That's what, the, that's what Jonah's saying. Now, some other things that come out in this uh, in verse 3. It says, he was going away from the presence of the Lord. Now, isn't that interesting? It sounds to me like Jonah, you know, there's a difference in saying, okay, I love you, Lord, but I really don't want to do this. It really sounded like that Jonah recognized that this was causing some problems in his relationship with the Lord, right? He was kind of saying, Lord, I, I'm avoiding you now. I can't face you anymore. Hey, wait a second. He might have even been angry with the Lord. Lord, I want to serve you, but this is not what I had in mind when I said I would serve you. By the way, how foolish is that? Can we really run from God? Write down Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. It basically, where can I go from your presence? Where in the universe can I go and say, oh, good, I'm away from God now. But that's what the Bible says that Jonah was trying to do. It also says that he went down. Now, it's interesting that we continue to see this kind of emphasis. It's kind of a continual progression for Jonah's life now. He's sinking down. He went down to Joppa. He went down to his ship. He went down to the belly of a whale, down to the depths of the sea. By the way, that got me to thinking, how far down could this guy go? You know how deep the ocean is? Do you know the average depth of the ocean is 14,000 feet? 14,000 feet. The deepest part of the ocean is about 36,000 feet. It's called the Challenger Deep in the Mariana Trench. It's about seven miles deep. If you put Mount Everest there, there'd still be a mile of water over it. Now, this area where Jonah was was in the Mediterranean Sea. The Mediterranean Sea, it, on average, is about a mile deep, okay, about 5,000 feet deep. And its deepest point is about three miles deep, about 17,000 feet. Which, by the way, that deepest point was on the path to where he was going. I kind of just smile when I, when I notice that. Because you know what? I guarantee you, God had Jonah on a little limbo deal. How low can you go? <laughs> I mean, can't you just see him? Just kinda, Just a little bit more, just a little bit more. Next thing you know, I guarantee you, one day in heaven, we'll be doing a little class on wonder where Jonah was in that well. And we're going to find out he was in the deepest part of the Mediterranean Sea, as low as he could possibly go. Then it says Jonah found some people, and he paid them. What comes across to me there, that he was putting a lot of effort into running away from God. He was looking for somebody and willing to pay. In fact, I read somewhere that the impression is given by what the wording that's used here for paying, that he actually bought the ship. Now, I don't know that for sure. But it's just like he was just saying, look, I'm taking this over, Okay. I'm willing to pay whatever to get out of God's presence. He was determined. He was frantic. Can you relate to that? Have you ever been determined to get away from God? And maybe willing to make every effort to do that. 
And by the way, Christians, let's not just excuse ourselves. Think about this story. Notice this is not an unbeliever who's outright rejecting God, though it certainly applies to to that situation. No, this is a person who seemingly wanted to follow God and had been following God. That's what we learned from 2 Kings. He had been a prophet of God. He had been used by God. But he's just saying, at this point, this is not what I was looking for, so I'm out of here. I don't know about you, but there have been many times in my life when I've ran from God. There have been times, there have been seasons of running. Can anybody identify with that? Long periods of running from God. I remember at one point in my life, God was speaking to me about a direction that he had for my life, but I didn't want to do it. So I went all out in the opposite direction. And I was a believer, actually, at that point. If you had seen my life at that point in my life, you would have said, he's not a follower of God. He's not a child of God. But I was a child of God. I was just running in the wrong direction. Now, by the way, just so you know, that wasn't when God was calling me to New York. Thank the Lord, when God was calling me to New York, that I received that call. But there was another time in my life when God was speaking to me that I turned and went in the other direction for a while. There's seasons. Maybe you've been going through a long season of turning away from God. Hey, you know what? Can I encourage you tonight? If you're here tonight, I hope that was the first step back in the right direction. Good for you. Amen, church family? Good for you. That's what we want to be about, encouraging people to make the first right decision. Amen? Don't try to do it all tonight, but, but just trust the Lord and, and take that turn back. Secondly, sometimes there's episodes of running. They're, they're kind of shorter moments. Again, this, wasn't, this hasn't been since I've been at New Hope, but I remember one night in another church. I remember before the church service. This was, a, this was an evening service. I remember, I don't know what happened, but I got all sideways about something, and I got in my truck, and I just, I'm out of here. I was the youth pastor. I don't care. They can show up. They can say, where's Robbie? They can, I, I don't have anything. I don't care. I'm out of here. It's just as hard as I could go. Man, about 30 minutes later, my foot started letting up. I knew it was getting time for the service. I couldn't stand it. I know where I need to be. Amen? You know, there might be somebody in this room tonight that you were just about... Man, you, you just decided, if God didn't speak to me this weekend, next week, I'm leaving this. I'm leaving my wife, I'm quitting my job, I'm making a drastic decision. You know what, sometimes God calls us to, to make big steps of faith, but this one, though, is not with God. Maybe God's just saying to you tonight, I'm doing you a favor, I'm speaking to you. Many times in my life I've run from God, how about you? I suspect many of us have. You know, next time we're going to see how that running affected Jonah's life and affected the life of other people around him. But let me ask you this. Is God speaking to you about something tonight? Isn't it incredible? Okay, let's just think of the options. There is a God. Amen? Okay, he could be a non-speaking God. He could say, I don't want to reveal myself. Aren't you glad? He chose not to withhold himself. Okay, so tonight, would you start by just saying, God, thank you 
thank you that you are a God? Because the Bible says in Romans 3 that if he didn't show himself to us, we'd never find him. We don't, we don't have the ability. Look at religion. How's religion help us? It's just futile, isn't it? We can never get to God on our own, even when we're trying. Thank the Lord he revealed himself to us. Maybe God's speaking to you tonight. Maybe he spoke to you six months ago. Would you say to him, Lord, I'm listening. I'm not running. I'm still, I'm waiting. This is your servant. What is it that you have for me? You know what, you might be here tonight and you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Remember what I said? The story of Jonah teaches us that some of the worst people that, some of the people who've done some of the worst actions ever on planet Earth, God was going to extend his grace and mercy to. Tonight, maybe you feel like you're that person and God says, I'm speaking to you tonight. I want to save you. I want to I be your heavenly father. Will you trust me? Two final thoughts tonight before I close. I'm afraid that many of us, listen to me, that many of us Christians have gotten used, we, we've, it's become normal to us, we've gotten used to saying no to God. Did you hear me? I'm really concerned about that. And listen, I want to encourage you tonight to ask God to help you to get to the place that whenever he speaks, you move. You know what's cool about Matthew 14 when Jesus got out of the, when John, uh, Peter got out of the boat? He said, Lord, I just need to hear that it's you clearly. And Jesus said one word, come. One clear word from God was all Peter needed to step out of a boat onto water. Now you take all the time you need to clarify, is this God speaking? But when God speaks and you know it, that's the time to move. Don't ever get used to saying, I'm not so sure. Let me wait a while. That ought to concern us. I also want to say this. I believe that what we're seeing here in Jonah is something that happens many times in the lives of young people. That God speaks to them about something important very early in life. How many of us in this room are adults? And 30 years ago, we know God spoke to us at a youth camp. We know God spoke to us at a church somewhere. We know God spoke to us through somebody at work who was trying to share about Jesus with us, and we did not listen to that. And because of that, our life has gone in a very different direction than what it could have. I thank the Lord for his mercy and grace, and he can forgive us and save us and rescue us. Amen? But tonight, young person, all of us adults would say, if God is speaking to you, the word of God says today, if you hear the voice of the Lord, don't harden your heart, but respond to that. Today's the day. Not next week, not after I graduate from college, not after I get married, not after we get settled in with kids, not any time. Today is the day. I am so thankful of all the mistakes I've made in my life that when I was 17 years old, God began calling me, and I said yes. Tonight, maybe you're not a young person. God is speaking to you. He's used Sophia tonight. He used the story of that young pastor that I was talking about earlier, to say to you, I can start walking with the Lord and serving Him tonight. I'm not going to wait any longer. Would you bow with me?
Heavenly Father, it is incredible that you would do this favor for us. That you would pursue us. That you would give us a book. That you would send your Holy Spirit. That you would send your servants into our lives. That you would organize the circumstances of our life in such a way that we found ourselves here tonight. We are all sinners, not deserving of that favor. But Lord, tonight I pray that each person in this room would hear the voice of the Lord and respond to your call tonight, whatever it might be. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.